It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Radio, Saturdays at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. on Talk Radio 1059. KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. First of all, if you haven't heard this yet, I love this. Rod Arquette on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Oh, I tell you what, I can't wait to get going with this one today. I cannot wait. To get going with this show today, and that's why I'm so glad you've arrived at 4 o'clock, or we've all arrived together, and we're ready to go with three hours of news, information, commentary, and of course, your willingness to join in on the conversation today on the Rod Arquette Show. I mean, it is just, I just you know, you've heard the old expression, all dressed up and nowhere to go. Well, that's why I feel so sorry for the folks involved with the Utah business uh, revival. Here they have Colin Ray, well-known country music artist, uh, willing to come and do a concert here in the state of Utah to kind of just remind people, let's get going, business, we need to help our business out there. This isn't really a protest, by the way. Uh, it, it's really a business revival. That's what they're trying to do. Give businesses a chance to get in front of people and to remind them what they offer and what they do. That's what This is not a protest, folks. This is really an effort to try and help the businesses in this state. So here they are, all dressed up and ready to go, and now we're come to find out they may not have a place to go, for crying out loud. This, this, and I have to tell you, I have been a resident of the community of Cadesville up here in Davis County since, what, about 1983, I think, is when we moved. Maybe it was 1984. Um, and, I, and I have to tell you what today, I'm kind of embarrassed with what they're doing here in Cadesville on this concert. You know, it is, you know, it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> we always laugh that, you know, my kids laugh at me all the time saying, Dad, you're getting so old, you're like one of those old men who yell at kids, get off my lawn! Uh, and that's what I think the city of Cadesville is doing today. And boy, am I, I just, I, I'm disappointed and embarrassed in them. And I hope you may be too. There are probably someone out there saying, oh, Rod, quit being such a jerk. But let me tell you what, this is embarrassing with what they threatened to do and why this concert had to move. How are you, everybody? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. Great to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. We want to hear from you today, 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, a great show lined up for you today. Utah has now moved from 2.0 to 3.0. We'll find out what that means. Um, Attorney General Sean Reyes, Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes, is joining other attorneys general from around the country. I think there are 15 of them who are now going to get involved in the Flynn case. We'll talk about that. Scott Rasmussen, well-known pollster, will join us. He'll explain why he's finding out there that a lot of people are sick and tired of these lockdowns, sick and tired of these stay-at-home orders, and are ready to get out and get going again. And Steve Moore will join us. So we got a great show lined up for you today. And like I said, if you want to be a part of it, all you do is have to call 888-570-8010 or on your cell phone, dial pound 250, and say, hey, Rod. All right, um, 
I want to start off and talk about this Cadesville thing today uh, and and what Eric Mutzos and, and the team at Utah Business Revival were trying to do here in Cadesville. You know, they had announced, what was it, about a week ago that uh, they had worked with the city's mayor. The uh, mayor, Katie Witt, said uh, they are welcome to come here. Colin Ray had agreed to come here and hold a concert uh, at Barnes Park and as part of an effort to help revive business in the state. It is not a protest, okay? Well, immediately, members of the city council are going, oh, you can't do that, you know, claiming that the mayor didn't tell them or the mayor wasn't forthright, didn't shoot straight with them as to what she was trying to do. She was just trying to get a noise ordinance thing passed, apparently. That's according to a member of the council. I'm told other members of the council were very excited about this, and then they realized, uh, wait a minute, there's going to be a lot of people here. You know, so you go through this. And apparently, now tonight, the Salt Lake City Council, or the Kaysville City Council, was going to hold a resolution or a meeting, pass a resolution condemning the mayor and giving uh, residents of the community an hour of time to come in and voice their objections about it. So that, that, that's what's going on. I'll tell you what the city has responded to in a minute. But my wife and I moved here in, uh, in May of 1984. Uh, I was working with Channel 2 at the time, working out of the Ogden office when they had one at the time. We were living down in West Jordan. I didn't want to commute all the way back, so we decided to come to Kaysville and build a home. We love this community. As a matter of fact, I think one of the first people who came knocking on our front door was a man by the name of Jerry Purdy. Jerry had served as mayor of, uh, of the city of Kaysville for a number of years. He was a high school principal, well-known football coach at the time. And at the door, he handed us two season passes to Davis High School football games. And he said, if you really want to understand and get involved in this community, then go to the football games. And we took our sons. They were very young at the time. And we went to that game, and that place was packed. We got to know people. It was a very warm and friendly community and still is today. Uh, and they respond to crises. I remember the, a couple of years ago, those wicked windstorms we had here and how people responded. The accident that I talked to you about on Sunday, the fatal accident just around the corner from my house, how people responded to that. There were Around the corner of my house again today, there were some friends of ours. Their house caught on fire, and people are there responding and doing everything they can help out. So this is a community that really does things well. I mean, the football is part of it, but they always have July 4th parades. They have events surrounding... A, throughout the year, and I've really complimented the city. This, to us, feels like home. So when this whole park thing started, or this concert thing started, oh, okay, good for them, you know. Nobody was forcing anybody to go to that concert, by the way. This was all voluntary, right? So all of a sudden, this, the city council is upset with the mayor and saying, well, the mayor, you know, they, they feel the mayor misled them, and they were going to pass a resolution condemning them. Well, then I got word today from Eric Mutzos, who's with the Business Revival Group, that they had made a news release today that they were going to take the concert. They were going to leave Kaysville and had decided to go to Grantsville and hold the concert there on May 30th. And there's another angle on that, and I'll get to that in a minute. And he told me about what was going on. I said, you, Eric, you've got to be kidding me. He goes, no, Rod, this is what they had threatened to do to us. Well, then I saw this release from the city today. The city manager, his name is Shane Scott. I don't know who that is. But he put out this release. And let me read just a little bit of it. And why this, to me, is so juvenile. I'll use that word, all right? Here's what it said. It said, on May 30th, 2020, a protest, not a protest, uh, Mr. Scott, you should know that, has been organized to take place at Barnes Park. A permit has not been issued from either Kaysville City or the Davis County Health Department. In an effort to dissuade individuals from gathering at this location, 
Cadesville City will be taking the following actions. Number one, Cadesville City Power will be cutting all electricity to Barnes Park on May 30th. Number two, Cadesville City Police will work with Cadesville City prosecutors in the Davis County Attorney's Office to pursue any and all civil and criminal remedies to those responsible for unpermitted event, including anyone contracting COVID-19, any injuries to attendees or damage to the park. Number three, I love this one, Kaysville City may be locking parking lot gates and running sprinkler systems and any other action deemed necessary and responsible to deter the defendants. Juvenile, juvenile, juvenile. If you don't want this, Kaysville City, Work with your mayor, the city council, but to do stuff like we're going to turn on the sprinklers or we're going we're, we're gonna to cut off electricity so you can't have that concert, that is as juvenile as I've ever seen. And Kaysville City, now, like I said, if, if you don't want to hear, I understand that, okay? And I get that. And say we aren't going to do that, okay? That's not going to happen. And do whatever you can. But this stuff turning off power, turning off the sprinklers, closing the gates to dissuade people from coming. Talk about acting like grown-ups. Cadesville City, you aren't doing that today. And that's why I think it is such an embarrassment. I love this city. I love this community. I love the people here. And I think people would have gone to this event and had acted in a responsible way, knowing the situation that we deal with. But this is what this is all about. This is a big boot, again, holding people down. And this is where, and and Scott Rasmussen will join us later on, this is where, you know, that famous quote from Reagan, whenever, you know, if, you know, be careful because if someone shows shows up, they're from the federal government and they're here to help, run like you know what. And that's what is here. You've got a government showing up saying, we know better than you do, and we are not going to allow you to do this. And that's what's shameful. And they should be ashamed. And I'm embarrassed today for this city, because it's a great community. But this prank, this juvenile actions that they want to take, you're better than that. Or I thought you were. All right, more coming up on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know we'll get a news update here in just a minute. But I want to talk to you right now about the real estate market. You know, I'm seeing reports all around the country and here in Utah that the housing market is doing very, very well. As a matter of fact, Justin Udy and Team Real Estate has been telling me for weeks, Rod, you know, there may be a slowdown in some spots, but we're working like crazy just to keep up with the demand for houses. Now, if you want to sell your home quickly and get as much money as possible out of your home, then I recommend you work with Justin Udy and Team Real Estate. Justin, you know what? He has knowledge. He is he, he, He's known the Greater Salt Lake area and the real estate market there for a very, very long time. So you want to work with him because you can trust him. That's such an important word nowadays. You can trust him. And he, because of the effort he makes to make, you know, his company one of the best realtor, realty companies in the state, if not the best, he uses technology. So if you don't, you know, you want to sell your home, you don't want people coming into it, that's okay. He offers potential buyers a way to see your home through a 360 virtual tour or, you know, um, or with drones that can take a picture of your house. Much of the paperwork can be done online. 
So if you want to move your home and move it quickly, and there could be a number of reasons why, I invite you to reach out to Justin Udy and Team Real Estate. He's with the Century 21 Everest Group. He has a 29-day guarantee. If you list your home with Justin and it's not sold under, within 29 days, he'll sell it for absolutely no commission. Reach out to him today. It's 444-9100 or online at SternSellsHomes.com. That's SternSellsHomes.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Rod Arquette Show. I've cooled down a little bit, honest folks. The Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. Coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour, the Attorney General for the state of Utah, Sean Reyes, will join us. He'll explain why the um, not only himself, but I think there are 14 other attorneys general from around the country who are getting involved in the Michael Flynn case. As a matter of fact, they're filing a second amicus brief today. In that, that's a friend of court brief in that case today, and Sean will explain that coming up here in just a few minutes on the Rod Arkent Show. All right, there was some good news today. I know it's hard to find any good economic news and what's going on right now, but uh, Utah's unemployment claims continued to edge downward this weekend. Uh, they still have a long way to go, but the interesting thing about today was more Utahns are dropping unemployment claims than finally new ones, and that is definitely a good sign. Well, let's talk about what the governor announced yesterday. Joining us on our newsmaker line is Natalie Gochner. Natalie is director of the Garden Policy Institute up at the University of Utah. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Natalie, the governor announced yesterday a new economic plan, moving it from a 2.0 to a 3.0 economic plan. Can you explain to us the difference between the two? Yeah, happy to do that. You know, version one of Utah Leads Together really presented the economic phases, what everyone's become very familiar with, urgent, stabilization, recovery. Version two had the color-coded health guidelines, uh, the high-risk red and orange, yellow, green. And now in version three, uh, it really does three things. It helps us understand the plan for Utah's high-risk population. It addresses impacts to the multicultural community and begins planting seeds for recovery. Let's talk about a comment you made yesterday that I wanted to pick up on. You said, you know, what we're trying to do here is to make sure those high-risk uh, cases are taken care of, but those who are healthy uh, be allowed to get back to work or start going back to work. Could we have done that earlier, or did we need to assess the impact on all segments of, the, of society before we could go in that direction, Natalie? 
You know, I think that there'll be a lot that's learned uh, looking backwards on how everything's been handled, but I think it's a little too soon for us to be doing that. I think we will need additional Mm -hmm. data and, and, you know, understanding. But clearly now, from the data that we've seen, we know that this has far uh, greater impacts on people that are 65 years and older and people that have an underlying health condition. And so by segmenting the risk, we can manage it better. And we have to be really clear, there's not a scenario where we're going to get rid of this virus in the near term. What we are going to do is manage the impacts of the virus. The governor sounded very optimistic yesterday that uh, maybe in the third quarter we could really get things going. Do you do you share his optimism, Natalie, if things go smoothly? No, I'm I'm careful there only because there's so much uncertainty and maybe because I don't have to yeah, make the yeah. decision. But uh, but let's let's put it this way: if you look at a map of the United States and you look at uh, the the data you want to see, the amount of testing per capita, the positivity rate, the uh, percent of the population under sixty five, um, and 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 jobless claims as a percent of the workforce, if you look at a lot of these health and economic measures, Utah performs very well in a in a top echelon of states. And so I think it's reasonable to think that we will be uh, recovering uh, qu- more quickly. And I also remind listeners that we entered this in really good shape. So the combination of being very well positioned going into it, and then I think very thoughtful management uh, really works in Utah's favor. Being well positioned going into it and trying to come out of it, does the fact that we're, I think, the youngest state in the country help us a little bit in that regard, do you think, Natalie? I think it does. Uh, you know, we have the youngest median age, the smallest percentage of our population under 65 um, and the like. And so we have, I should say, the largest percentage of our population under 65. So we have uh, a young population. And uh, as I'll, I'll paraphrase uh, Dr. Good of University of Utah Health, he, he leads University of Utah Health. But he said coronavirus is a bully. It finds and attacks at-risk individuals. And unfortunately, that's a lot largely uh, older members of our community. As we try and move this and get back to, I guess we could call it the new normal, whatever that thing is. I, I don't know if I like that phrase. I don't know about you. But what is the biggest challenge still for us other than the virus? We know we've got the virus to deal with. But is there another big challenge that we need to be aware of, in your opinion, Natalie? I think the big challenge is confidence. Uh, I think this is a crisis of confidence, right? If you think you're not safe, you're not going to go out and do things. If you are uncertain about the economy, you're not going to make purchases, you're not going to make commitments. And so we really do have uh, an issue of consumer confidence. And that's why I think we, we face an imperative to do things that lessen risk. And when we lessen risk, uh, people become more confident. Can that confidence in a way be restored uh, even if we don't have a vaccine? Because I keep on hearing people say sometimes, well, once we have a vaccine, we'll feel pretty comfortable. Can we even get that confidence confidence without a vaccine, do you feel? I do. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, so people who can work at home, if they continue to work at home, I think that's a positive thing because they're they're working and that minimizes risk outside of the home, for example. I think that uh, proper spacing, I see the way that businesses are adapting, I think it's really helpful, right? Because if you're not in close contact, there's evidence that the virus won't spread as, as easily. And so I think the combination of spacing and hand washing and face coverings where needed, 
uh, staying at home when you can work, and really protecting uh, at-risk uh, individuals. I think that combination lowers the risks and makes it so we have the upside of a stronger economy and less of the unintended consequences that we know this virus also causes, like by not having kids in school, they're not getting an education. Yeah. Final question for you, Natalie. The uh, unemployment claims numbers were out again today. The state is down. It's trending down, and that is a good sign. Um, but the one concern I have are the the uh, the self-employed who may be receiving mm-hmm. the coronavirus help financially, but are not counted in these numbers. So could those numbers be worse than we actually are seeing? Uh, they most definitely are worse than we're seeing. And, and then there's even an underemployed, right? People that are employed, mm-hmm. but... Uh, have, are not employed in their field or in what they're trained to do because there's not an opportunity, so they're just taking whatever they can get. But I want to be really clear, Rod, for the first time since the pandemic, in today's report, we had more individuals ending their unemployment claims than individuals filing new claims. That's a really big deal. I think apex. I think the apex of this will be April 2020 in terms of the impact on our state's economy and I think it gets it gets less from here on out although we could have some little hot spots and you know some upticks depending on what happens in the fall but we will not repeat what happened to us in April in my judgment and I I would agree with your judgment Natalie thank you for joining us all right more of the Rod Arquette show coming up that was Natalie Gugner director of the Gardner Policy Institute up there at the University of Utah talking about the fact that on an economic basis the governor announced yesterday a move from 2.0 to 3.0 and we are moving in the right direction I wish we could get there a little bit quicker but I understand well understand in a way what they're trying to do here and protect us all but I think for the most part many of us feel protected and we're ready to get going Attorney General of the uh, state of Utah, Sean Reyes, will join us. He's decided to get involved in the case of Michael Flynn. Emerge stronger. And many, many more. Commencement, the podcast, ready for you now on the free iHeartRadio app. Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who uh, took a lot of heat several weeks ago when he announced that uh, his state was going to reopen, and then Brian Kempton, Georgia, got the same kind of treatment. Uh, And no one is paying attention to what's going on in Florida. It is really a success story so far. Yet all the attention is going to uh, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, who sent people with COVID-19 to nursing homes. That's a brilliant move. And did DeSantis go off yesterday? We mentioned that on the show yesterday. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll let you hear that. We'll also be talking with pollster Scott Rasmussen, political analyst, editor-at-large of Ballotpedia. Uh, He's got a new poll out talking about how unpopular all these COVID-19 restrictions and lockdowns and stay-at-home orders are becoming. We'll talk about that and get more reaction to you on this, uh, what's going on in Kaysville and what happened in the last 24 hours there as well. So we invite you to stay with us. Now, there is some uh, breaking news coming out of Washington tonight. A uh, federal appeals court has ordered the judge who has overseen the case against former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn to respond to a petition from Flynn's legal team seeking to remove him from the case. 
In a one-page order today, I'm reading this story out of the Washington Times, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals asked or ordered U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan to file a response addressing the petitioner's request. If you recall, Judge Sullivan has 10 days now to address Flynn's legal brief. The court also invited the Justice Department to weigh in on whether Judge Sullivan should be reassigned. Well, that was going on. Utah, along with uh, 14 other states from around the country, have joined together uh, in urging the judge, Judge Sullivan, to drop the Michael Flynn case. Let's find out what's going on. Joining us on our Newsmaker Line, Utah Attorney General, Sean Reyes. Sean, great to be with you. Sean, I understand um, you were mentioning to me a little bit earlier that you have now filed a second friend of court brief in the case. What is that all about? Sure, Similar, Rod, we're filing another amicus brief in support of a petition for writ of mandamus the General Flynn's team has filed, essentially asking the, the D.C. Circuit Court to tell the lower court and, and Judge Sullivan to cut it out, act like a judge, not a prosecutor, dismiss the case, um, don't comment on it, don't go out and try to hire uh, another amicus, an unprecedented move, essentially a prosecutor to work for the judicial branch, cut all that out, do your job and do it right. And so that's what the petition for mandamus is. And we're filing an amicus brief for finishing that up right now, just in support of that. We think it's a critical separation of powers issue, regardless of the facts and the politics surrounding all of that. This is Constitution uh, 101. Yeah, Sean, I was going to ask you, uh, how unusual is it for a judge, like we've seen in this case, Judge Sullivan, not to allow a prosecutor in the case, that being the Justice Department, to say, we're going to drop the case? I mean, how unusual is for a judge to say, no, you can't do that? No, I've never heard of it. So to answer your question, highly unusual. And not just that action alone, saying I'm not going to dismiss the case, but taking it even further and essentially going out soliciting uh, another prosecutor to try to argue against the executive branch, to argue against the Department of Justice. I've never heard of it. No one I've talked to has ever heard of it. Has it happened before? Possibly. But it is so highly irregular and unprecedented, Rod, that, again, it defies reason. And and that's why we're um, effectively joining together to say, look, again, this is an important constitutional issue, putting aside all of the underlying questions uh, and, and, and allegations about what prosecutors may or may or investigators may or may not have done. The decision not to pursue a criminal conviction is vested in the executive branch alone. And this is what we said in the brief, neither the legislature nor the judiciary has any role in the executive's making of that decision. So that's it. Courts decide cases, Rod, they don't litigate them. I was going to ask you, and is that why you're saying this really raises some serious questions, Sean, about the separation of powers that we have in the Constitution? Absolutely, Rod. Imagine the mischief uh, that this uh, this is this is such a dangerous precedent in terms of people's liberties. As it is, the the executive's power, the prosecutorial discretion, is a protection against potentially um, overbearing laws. Um, and then after that, you have other protections, but the ability to, to be able to say, we, we can't make this case, we won't go forward on that, that's a critical aspect of a prosecutor's role. He or she has to be able to do that to protect people's liberties and to have a court say, no, we're going to second-guess that. We're just going to continue the case. You see, our courts don't have the power to start a case. They can't have the power to continue a case, and if they did, 
it totally flies in the face of our constitutional underpinnings and our whole legal system. This isn't an inquisitorial system. It's an adversarial system. And there's also checks and balances, separation of powers, and each, each branch must play its role. And so that's why we're, we're very uh, excited about this. Um, you know, after enacting a statute, Congress can't mandate the prosecution of violators of that statute. Mm-hmm, and nothing mm-hmm, in the judicial mm-hmm. power the power to decide cases and controversies. Nothing permits courts to second-guess the executive branch's decision not to pursue a conviction. That's, that's um, again, I, I, that, that's from right out of uh, textbook constitutional law. In fact, some of what I, I just read a little bit of that, that was Judge <laughs> Kavanaugh when he was on yeah. that circuit. Um, so, Rod, this is an important question, and I know, I'll be yeah. honest with you, I, I haven't followed all of the underlying... Um, story about the the questioning potential entrapment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, I've been out trying to defend Utahns and protect their liberties during this COVID time, and and with crime rising and people trying to take advantage of everybody when they're focused on their their health. I, I've spent so much time doing that. I haven't followed in yeah, detail all of yeah, those yeah. underlying facts, but it doesn't there. matter. Throw all that out for a second, whatever that is, and, um, and and just focus on the fact that you have a court trying to tell a prosecutor, no, you can't, you can't dismiss that case. Um, you've got to keep it Dangerous. going. Yeah, and and this is an example. There's been concern over uh, several years, if not decades now, of what is commonly referred to as judicial activism. Is this another example of it, in your opinion, Sean? I mean, uh, is it setting yet another dangerous precedent where the courts have shown a tendency to weigh in on policies that's really none of their business? You hit it right on the nose, uh, Rod. That's that's exactly what it is. Not only is the court not supposed to second-guess, the court needs to dismiss the case. They're not even supposed to comment on it. It's become very in vogue for courts, even in, when they're dismissing, to, to start to editorialize and in, inject their opinion, personal opinions and political views into all of these cases. That's not what courts do, and it erodes, it undermines the confidence of the people in the judicial system. And so I, you, I think you hit it um, right on the nose, uh, Rod, with that. It is another form of judicial activism. It's another thing, regardless of what party you belong to, regardless of your ideology. Those things are sacrosanct. We need to protect those lines um, they're, they're separations of powers because they're checks on each other. And if one branch is allowed to run roughshod over those protections, then everything's thrown into, into imbalance and chaos. And people's liberties, at the end of the day, people's rights, freedoms, and liberties are in jeopardy. To Attorney General Sean Reyes joining GOP colleagues from around the country talking about the um, the uh, effort to uh, urge the judge to do uh, drop the Michael Flynn case. Of course, the Justice Department has recommended he do so, but then he made a very unusual move and asked other sides to file amicus brief, friends of court's brief, as to why those charges should not be dismissed. The Rod Arkencho continues on Talk Radio 105.9. KNRS, listen, and you'll know. How's your financial future look right now? Boy, it's been a rough couple of months right now. Uh, it's been a rough couple of months, right? Well, that's why I want to talk to you about the great team at um, Trajan Wealth, headed up by owner and founder Jeff Jr. You know, Trajan Wealth, well, they're now open for appointments. They were always working behind the scenes, but now 
They're ready to welcome you back. They have cleaning policies in place. They have masks. They have hand sanitizer available for all the uh, in-office appointments, or they can do the entire process remotely if you're still staying in. We all know that this pandemic has been challenging for everyone concerning your 401k, Social Security, your retirement plans, your pensions, right? But Trajan Wealth, well, they were ready. They had programs in place to protect their clients and their retirement, and they're ready to do the same thing for you. I have a question. Is it time for maybe a second opinion? Are you comfortable with your current financial advisor, how they handled this roller coaster ride, and are they ready for whatever the future may bring? Well, guess what Trajan Wealth is? That's why I invite you to give them a call. As we all go back to work, shouldn't the money be going back to work in the same way? Call Trajan Wealth today. Set up an appointment by dialing this number, 801-899-7600, I should say, or go online at Trajan Wealth. Dot com. Advisor 5 or 420 a month, zero down. See dealer for details. If you want a super low price, you come see me at Paris RV. The Rod Arquette Show on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. New poll out tonight. Scott Rasmussen has a poll out talking about how Americans feel toward the uh, shelter-in-place or stay-at-home orders. We'll be talking with Scott, and we'll let you hear what Ron DeSantis had to say to the media yesterday about what Florida is doing during all of this. And we'll get to your phone calls. We'll talk more about uh, what the Cageville City Council did to drive out this uh, concert that was going to be held next weekend uh, featuring Colin Ray. We'll talk about that as well. Um, What did you do? How many of you got that $1,200 stimulus check? And what did you do with money? Well, apparently, according to the the, uh, CEO of Walmart and also at Target, Apparently, Americans uh, got out and did some, uh, well, they splurged at Walmart and Target. At Walmart and Target, shoppers bought more TVs, electronics, gaming equipment, and apparel. Walmart also saw demand for uh, adult-sized bikes. As a matter of fact, someone was telling me the other day they went out to buy their uh, one of their children a bike, and they couldn't find one. Uh, at Walmart and Target, shoppers bought, like I said, uh, bought more TVs, more electronics, and gaming. The different phases of the pandemic have shaped shoppers' choices. Uh, as the stay-at-home orders were enacted across the country, parents became teachers, so they bought a lot of school stuff. And adult bikes. I've, I've seen more people on bikes just out for a casual ride, not the you know the real intense guys and women who get out there, but just to go out for a bike ride and uh, get a little little exercise and catch a little fresh air. They also bought sewing machines. How long has it been since this country has seen an increase in the purchase of sewing machines and bandanas to make their own face masks? That's what they sent. So apparently, people who got those uh, stimulus checks use the money to uh, splurge a little bit and go to uh, either Walmart or Target and buy what they wanted to. All right, now time for entertainment news. I Major Hollywood news. Hollywood news brought to you by Bio 35. Find it at your local pharmacy. And AJ from 971 ZHT is back with us this afternoon. Hey, man. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, let's let's start with Lori Laughlin today. That's the oh, big yeah. news. Oh, yeah. Big Lori news. Yep, big news. And her husband, Massimo, 
Man, they uh, they copped the plea deal. They got the whole thing taken care of. They both will be doing jail time. So if you're somebody like me who thought she's never going to jail, you were kind of right because it's only two months in jail. And she'll probably get out, you know, after like six weeks or less after serving some time. But it's still something. Plus, she has to pay a big fine, like 150 grand. Massimo, on the other hand, is going to, her husband is going to have to pay, I believe, a $250,000 fine. It might be more. And he's also going to be spending five months in jail. Huh. So, is her, is her, is yeah. her sentence the same thing as, uh, what's her name, the other person involved in this? Oh, uh, you're talking about William H. Macy's wife, who was also... Yeah, I'm trying to remember her name. No, hers was... Hers was a month in jail. Now, hers was a fraction of the money. A fraction oh, okay. Okay. of the money okay. that okay. was at stake here between Lori Laughlin and her husband and their kids going into uh, to USC. Okay. But, okay. you know, I mean, all things considered, if you had seen some of the last couple of weeks and thought, eh, she's getting out of it scot-free, and then this happens, I think you probably feel more comfortable about it. it you know, in the broader picture, just because, you know, going to jail is something when there was absolutely nothing that could have happened. So I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, and then you've got uh, Megan and Harry. Of course, they're coming up on their second anniversary, and the whole world is not caring about them anymore, which, by the way, is exactly what they want. They want to be completely blended in with society. I mean, I don't think that will ever happen, but to the extent that they're not really a public entity anymore, yeah, yeah, we don't really true. hear about them in the last couple no. of months. And I, and I think that's probably because of the COVID thing, but I think it's also because that's exactly what they want. They want to be yeah, low-key, yeah. and they want to stay under the radar. That's true. That's true. So they're getting uh, their wish. Then, that's right. That's right. And then and then there's the story about Oprah Winfrey, who donated another $12 million. $12 million. Now, she's donated... I think, gosh, what is it? It's close to $50 million after everything is said and done over these last couple of weeks. So she's cut some pretty big checks, and these go... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. To organizations in the towns where she grew up. Um, So Chicago, places where she worked as well, like Baltimore. 
Yeah, you know, I have a question on all of that, AJ. You see all this money that the stars are donating and yeah. organizations are donating, yeah. and I've always wondered where it goes and is it actually helping? You ever think? I mean, there's a vast yeah, amount I mean, of money out there. I just wonder where it's going and is it helping? Well, she she actually itemized the charities that she wants these to go to: Live Healthy Chicago, oh, okay. Nashville okay. Nurtures, Saint A. Yeah. And in the case of like Mike Conley yesterday from the Utah Jazz, who donated two hundred grand, he wanted to make sure that it went to specific things as well, including yeah, the Utah true. Food Bank, which it did. Sixties Monday, mid seventies, but into the eighties midweek. I'm Sterling Paulson for KUTV Two News. We're live, we're local, and of course, we're with you every step of the way, wherever you go on the iHeartRadio app. How are you, everybody? Welcome back. Hour number two of the Rod Arquette Show on this Thursday, gorgeous day on the outside. Can you believe it? We are headed into the Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> it's, it is, boy, have we all lost a track of time, right? I mean, it is pretty amazing to me that, uh, you know, here we are, let's see, it was mid-March, all of April. Uh, most of May now. I mean, you know, we'll tur- turn to Joan here a week from uh, Sunday. Uh, but it's amazing how this time has gone by as we've had to deal with uh, this pandemic. Now, uh, we're going to talk with pollster Scott Rasmussen here in a minute. He's got a brand new poll out, and it's basically showing about the unpopularity of all these uh, coronavirus restrictions. We'll talk with uh, Scott about that. I do want to get your reaction to this, uh, I think, really juvenile decision made by the uh, Cadesville City Council. Not so much the decision, but the tactics they wanted to use to shut this event down. It is now uh, planned, they planned on moving it, I'm talking about the Colin Ray concert, to uh, Grantsville, but now I understand Tooele County is raising questions about this. So we'll get into that and get your reaction to it. But before we get to that, I mentioned this very briefly on the show yesterday, but I think we, many people have recognized uh, that among several states out there who've decided to take a, take a stand against uh, this uh, coronavirus pandemic has been Florida. I mean, really, they've been a shining star. Its fatality rate in the state of Florida is unusually low, even though they have a uh, much older population there in the state. A lot of people go down there from the uh, Northeast to retire. And part of the reason is because its governor, Ron DeSantis, has followed the opposite approach from that of Andy Cuomo, the mayor of or the governor of New York. Uh, Now, uh, he has gotten infected people out of nursing homes rather than stashing them there the way Cuomo has done. And, of course, DeSantis has been given no credit for this excellent performance. As a matter of fact, when Florida reopened, as you recall, for business ahead of most other states, DeSantis was hit with a barrage of criticism from left-wing journalists who, among other things, alleged that Florida was conducting an experiment in human sacrifice. Well, Ron DeSantis, who was with Vice President uh, Pence yesterday, coming out of a care facility, addressed that issue with the press. Here's what the uh, governor of Florida had to say. Because you got a lot of people in your profession who waxed poetically for weeks and weeks about how Florida was going to be just like New York. Wait two weeks, Florida's going to be next. Just like Italy, wait two weeks. Well, hell, we're eight weeks away from that, and it hasn't happened. So we've succeeded, and I think that people just don't want to recognize it because it challenges their narrative, it challenges their assumption, so they got to try to find a boogeyman. Maybe it's that there are black helicopters circling the Department of Health. If you believe that, um, i got a bridge in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you. 
<laughs> Ron DeSantis. Now, remember the media picked up on this story earlier this week, the woman who designed Florida's COVID-19 dashboard and she was fired. Well, apparently she faces a criminal investigation for cyber, sexual cyber harassment and cyber stalking. So the news media was saying, look, she designed it to tell the truth about what's going on in Florida. When she did, she was fired. There's more to it than that. That's where you get the media wrong oftentimes. All right. Uh, joining us on our Newsmaker line right now is a political analyst and well-known pollster, Scott Rasmussen, editor-at-large of Ballotpedia. Um, Scott, you've got a brand new poll out today, and it shows that lockdowns are increasingly unpopular. Surprise, surprise. We've had debates here in the state of Utah, Scott. Scott, um, you have, over the years, kind of, you know, your life's work has been to gauge America and where it stands on several issues. So are you surprised at all that these uh, uh, stay-in-place orders or stay-at-home orders are becoming increasingly unpopular? Are you surprised at that at all, Scott? Well, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, what does surprise me is the fact that uh, so many people aren't seeing it. I mean, I, I read uh, regular media coverage, and I see some polls, and people say, oh, it's, it's just not happening. There's still great love for the lockdowns, uh, and that's just not what I'm seeing. What are you seeing, Scott? I mean, you've, you've just released the results of a new survey. What are the numbers showing you? Well, the, uh, the fun line is for those of us uh, old enough to remember Ronald Reagan's famous declaration that the uh, the nine most terrifying words in the English language are "I'm from the government and I'm here to help." <laughs> Fifty-two, yeah, great line. It, Reagan used it well, uh, uh, delivered uh, it better than I do. But fifty-two uh, percent of voters continue to share that view, or currently share that view of how terrifying government help can be. And I think that's really significant in the midst of these lockdowns. You know, if you're a small business owner and you're trying to reopen and the governor is saying, I'm going to take away your, your business license, uh, you're not seeing that as a lot of help. Uh, and then there's some interesting cross tabs in all of this suggesting that the reason that the issue isn't being seen more is the group of people who still support the lockdowns are the professional class, uh, the elites who really missed the fact that Donald Trump had a lot of support and Hillary Clinton didn't uh, four years ago. Scott, originally I had a, a, a sense as this started breaking, I want to say in earlier mid-March, and these suggestions, stay-at-home lockdowns, most people originally agreed, okay, we can adapt to this, we understand this, we'll do what you've asked us to do. Why is that now starting to wear thin, do you think? Well, for one thing, because no matter how much you enjoy your home and love your family, it gets a little tiresome after a while. Um, but, but, but the other side of it is, uh, you know, people are beginning to have other questions about uh, the economic carnage that has been wrought by these shutdowns. And people are recognizing that there are health risks to staying at home. Uh, you know, a lot of people know somebody who's been drinking too much or has been severely depressed because of the lockdowns. Uh, right now, 41%, and it's, it, by the way, Rod, you were right. When, when these lockdowns began, we were measuring 80, 90% support for the idea mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. thought it was going to be a temporary measure. Uh, but now, 41% of voters look back and say, you know, they did more harm than good. Um, and I suspect that number will continue to grow. People, again, they're looking at, at the economic damage. 38 million people have been thrown out of work so far. Uh, they look at the other health risks, and they're saying maybe there was a better way. Um, and I think there's something else in the numbers that's really important. Uh, 
the political dialogue going on, especially in places like here in New York, where I am, or in Washington, is focused on we need uh, wise leadership from the government to tell people how to safely reengage in the economy. Actually, only 34 percent of voters trust government officials. You know, on that score, they they much rather trust their own judgment and their neighbors. And uh, so, I think you know that's part of the pushback we're seeing as well. I, Scott, I've always said on my show on several occasions that I think America is a fair-minded country made up of people who believe in common sense. Do you think people feel that in addressing this issue and trying to deal with all of this, that in a way we maybe have lost a little bit of that common, <laughs> common sense or are not using that well, common sense? Well, I think there was initially a, a big panic uh, because it was very scary. And uh, long, long ago, before uh, there even was uh, a constitution for us to operate under, Alexander Hamilton wrote that people will always trade their liberty um, to protect them from some kind of external threat. Uh, and, you know, I think that was a little bit of what happened. People saw this threat. We've got to do something. Most voters saw that as a very temporary, short-lived uh, situation. I don't think anybody in the earliest days expected we'd be dragging on and still talking about it now. Uh, so I'm not sure we've lost that common sense. Uh, I think what may have been missed is, uh, you know, the dynamics uh, of the issue are certainly different here in New York City than they were in Salt Lake. Um, and they're probably different in Salt Lake than they are in other parts of Utah. Um, and one of the things that that voters are looking for right now is a little bit more of let's let's adapt to local situations. Let's not make it one big national discussion about this. Um, and the other thing that we're seeing, and you can never overstate the importance of trust, you know, as we talk about reopening mm-hmm. society. Yeah, yeah. If you ask people about, you know, hey, would you feel comfortable going to a restaurant today? Oh, people would say, I'm not so sure. But when we've gone and asked them a slightly different question, would you return to your favorite restaurant right now? A solid majority of people say yes. And it's because, you know, they think their restaurateur or the place they hang out is probably going to establish some reasonable safety protocols. And if they do that, they're going to trust them and they're going to go back. Interesting. Uh, One more thing I want to touch on with you, Scott, and you mentioned this a moment ago, talking about the election of Donald Trump in 2016. Do do those in Washington, and maybe that Asilla Corridor that people are always talking about, do you think they're still having a hard time understanding the rest of America, Scott? Do they not get it yet, or get us, I should say? (laughs) No, they they do not get it. Um, And you know, again, I think we're seeing a lot of that in these discussions. Uh, there is a sense, I think, in uh, among some here on this coast that, uh, <laughs> you know, the American people aren't smart enough to know what's good for them. They need us to protect them from themselves. Uh, I think that's going to backfire again. Now, look, nobody knows what's going to happen with the economy or with the, with the health situation. Uh, but it looks like at the moment that the governors in places like Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, Democratic governors who are doubling down the lockdowns, they may be helping pave the way for Donald Trump's reelection because they do have that same condescending attitude we saw in 2016. Ultimately, it's going to be decided by what happens. The more successful the nation is at reopening, the better it is for Donald Trump. The more the pandemic escalates and death tolls, if they skyrocket again, uh, you know, this fall, well, then the opposite will happen. 
On our Newsmaker line, pollster Scott Rasmussen talking about his latest poll out there showing coronavirus lockdowns are increasingly unpopular, and we're certainly seeing that here in the state of Utah, if in fact people were... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Allowed to exercise their rights. All right, when we come back, we'll take some time and take some of your phone calls. We talk about this latest development surrounding what's happened in Kaysville, what's happened with an effort by the Utah Business Revival Group to bring Colin uh, Ray to this community. Not going to happen now. And you won't believe, and I want I want to get your reaction to the uh, steps the city of Cadesville was willing to take, apparently, or at least was considering, to keep people out of this park where the concert was to be held. We'll get your calls and reaction to that coming up on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio. 105.9 KNRS, listen in. You'll know, I want to talk about Burt Brothers right now. You know, a lot of people, they're going to be hitting the road this weekend if you already haven't done so. You know, we've been locked up now for, what, eight to ten weeks The weather is going to be beautiful, and we want to hit the road. But before you do that, is your car and your vehicle road ready? And before you start that next great adventure, make sure your car is good to go by stopping by Burt Brothers Tire and Service and have them check it out for you. You know, they're in business, of course, of taking care of your car, but taking care of you is really their number one priority. They have worked hard to create a worry-free, touchless experience that takes care of your vehicle's needs. You can use Bird Brothers' convenient online check-in, their valet service to pick up and deliver your vehicle from either your home or your office. You know, and in these trying times, their manufacturers have stepped up to offer big, big rebates and discounts. Right now, Bird Brothers is offering about up to a $100 instant rebate on select Bridgestone tires and worry-free financing with six months deferred interest. And the best in savings when you use your Burt Brothers credit card. Or you can get a $70 instant rebate with other fun, with um, any other form of payment. Why not head over to Burt Brothers right now? Go to BurtBrothers.com. The open roads are calling, especially this weekend. Check it out. Burt Brothers, complete 555-NJ-DIET. That's 855-5-NJ-DIET. Or go to NJDiet.com. <laughs> They're on our catch show on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know, welcome back to the show. Great to be with you on a beautiful afternoon on the outside. I hear someone say we may get snow sometime this weekend. <laughs> it is Memorial Day weekend, right? Always seems to happen. Memorial Day, winter is just hanging on, I think, or spring. They just don't want to let it go before we head into the summer, so you never never know what's going to happen on Memorial Day. All right, um... 
We just spoke with Scott Rasmussen, well-known pollster, a new poll out, uh, basically looking at the fact that Americans are growing sick and tired of all these lockdowns and stay-at-homes. You've got the lockdown left and the uh, reopen right. And I'm so surprised here in the state of Utah, which, you know, a lot of people call the most conservative state in the country. I do not believe it is, by the way. I've lived here long enough. This is a very moderate state. You know, you can say, well, they're conservative because they're against uh, abortion and they're against gay rights, same-sex marriage, um, not so much gay rights, same-sex marriage, and that makes them the most conservative state in the country. Well, I think there's more to it than that. And that's why I'm so surprised that this state is not aching to get back on track and to get going. Case in point, what has happened in the past couple of days since last Friday with the announcement by the mayor of Kaysville, Katie Witt, that uh, she is going to be working with this organization uh, called Utah Business Revival and bring a concert uh, to this community where I live and where I'm doing the show from today um, uh, with Colin Ray and a concert to help revive business and to encourage people to come on out and to uh, patronize the businesses, either buying gift cards or looking at the menus, so these businesses can come back to life. Because it has been a very, very tough eight weeks to ten, eight to ten weeks, right? So, um, and then the, uh, the, the city council got into all of this and said, well, the mayor has misled us, and we're going to uh, uh, consider a petition at a council meeting tonight. We've set up an hour of public comment on all of this, and we're going to tell the mayor she's up in the night that she misled us, and uh, we are not going to, um, we don't like the idea of this concert. Well, then, I get a note today from the uh, revival group saying, uh, we're moving. We're going to Grantsville. Uh, and primarily uh, because they had found out that the city was going to do a number of things to uh, do everything they could to keep people from showing up at this event next Saturday, including turning off the power to the park, Barnes Park, where it was going to be held, uh, having police walk around and pursue either civil or criminal action against those who uh, organized this, and they would include locking the parking lot gates, running the sprinkler system, or any other action deemed necessary and responsible to deter the attendance. Now, I do not have any trouble with what the city, and if the city is trying to say we don't want it here. What I have trouble is are the juvenile tactics that they want to use to keep you. Nobody is forcing you. Nobody is forcing you to go to this concert, right? I, I don't know if the city understands that. You know, they aren't going to hold the gun to your head and say, you got to go to this concert. Nobody is doing that. You are free to choose whether or not you want to go to that concert. But the city is going to do everything they can, or they were, to basically prevent you from attending it and enjoying a good time with your family. Like I said, you know, if the city, you know, work with the mayor, work with this group and say, we just don't want you here you know, we, it's just, we don't want it to happen. And we plead with you, don't do this. And we plead with the residents of this community not to show up. Okay. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay. But to come out and say, well, we're going to turn off your power. We're going to turn the sprinklers on you. That that's juvenile. And that's what upsets me. This city, like this state, to be real honest, was, was, you know, uh, people, pioneers, risked everything they have, loss of families, loss of children, loss of husbands, loss of wives, just to come here and live. We have a history in this state, and that's what makes this state so darn great, in my opinion, because of this pioneering spirit that we have. 
and fighting and saying, we can overcome everything. We don't care what you throw at us. You throw crickets at us, we're going to take care of it. You throw floods at us, you throw winds at us, you throw drought at us, we are going to take care of it and we'll deal with it. And that's why, to me, what this city is doing here and saying, well, we're going to turn on the sprinkler systems and we're going to, you know, we're going to uh, turn off the power so you don't show up. To me, we are better than that. And that's why I'm so disappointed today. Now, I'm going to go out in the grocery store and people who know me, not many people do, uh, and they're going to see me go, I can't believe you did that. You know, but I think someone's got to speak up on this. And someone's got to say, it is time we quit hiding and running from this COVID-19. The numbers are obvious. The number, the hardest hit people in this state and around the country are people over 65 and many with underlying health conditions. Most people below that age who are healthy can deal with this, and we're ready to deal with it. But boy, do I wish the government officials who all of a sudden see all this power would ease up a bit and let us start living again. You remember what we talked about earlier this week? I'm not going out there until it's safe. Well, I think it was going to be pretty safe. And people were going to be able to handle it. And people were going to be respectful of what they're being asked to do. But to tell them we're going to turn the sprinklers on you and turn the power off, you're better than that. 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, we'll get to your call. Waiting for what you'll do next. Commencement, the podcast, celebrating the class of 2020. Available now on the free iHeartRadio app. One man, one goal. Yeah, one vision. The Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. All right, I want to read a uh, welcome back. If you're just joining us right now, the uh, there's been a new development today, of course, in this uh, planned concert by the uh, group Utah Business Revival. They were going to hold it next Saturday at Barnes Park in Kaysville. Colin Ray was going to be the star attraction. Uh, the mayor had said she would go along with it. She was willing to do it. She said that, I think, a week ago tomorrow. Uh, but the uh, some members of the city council started to from what I understand, backtrack a little bit. They said, wait a minute, they were excited first, but then they started finding out what would happen and how many people it would bring to the community and to that park. And they said, no, uh, they were going to have a resolution uh, criticizing the uh, mayor for her decision tonight, but that's now gone because the Utah Business Revival Group announced this morning that because of the opposition here and what they what they were hearing the city would do to them if they showed up, they decided to move it to Grantsville. And now you've got the county raising some objections to this. Now, the city can make its decision. I totally get that. That's what, you know, cities do. I think the city council has lost a little of uh, a little bit of their courage. It really comes down to fear versus freedom. It really does. Uh, and the uh, city council, and, and, and hey, the city council can do what it is like, but using tactics like this is what I'm critical, and that's why I want to get your reaction to it. The city council put out a release that they would turn on the sprinkler systems in the park, they would turn off power in the park, they would lock the gates to the park. If anybody showed up, they could be arrested. That, to me, is police state. 888-570-8010 on your cell phone. Dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, let's get your reaction to this. We begin in West Jordan with Angela, who's been waiting patiently. Angela, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, yes, I want to make a statement on the Kaysville uh, 
City Council. I think everybody mm-hmm. in the Go Wasatch ahead. Front should call them and tell them what they think, that they are, they are borderlining on socialism. They've taken away our freedoms to gather. It's not right. It's not fair. And right, there Angela, should be a much, real... Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Go ahead. Um, I interrupted you. I apologize. Well, if they decide to hold it in Nevada, I will drive out there. I will go anywhere to this concert because I am sick and tired of staying home and having nothing to do. I've done all all the projects around my house. (laughs) I think a lot of people have, Angela. Thank you very much for that call. All right, uh, 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, you can dial pound 250 and say, hey, Ron, here's what a uh, couple of members of the uh, Kaysville City Council said about this decision. Um, this was John Adams, Councilman Adams, who we had on the show earlier this week, talking about the uh, resolution the council was going to consider. He uh, was quoted in the, uh, is this the, the uh, Tribune this morning? Yeah, I think it is. He's quoted in there saying, it's wonderful. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill news that they've decided not to come to Kaysville. But um, also, my heart goes out to the folks in Grantsville, who are now going to be faced with the same issue. That's according to uh, John Adams. Here's another member, um, Andre Lortz, I believe. He's a council member. I've met these, uh, I've met these uh, council members. I moderated a debate, I think it was last year, before the municipal elections, so I've met him. I don't know him very well. But Lortz said this. He said, uh, when asked about if, in fact, the city was going to turn on the sprinkler systems, he said city staff has said here are possibilities for actions that could be taken. It was discussed what actions would be appropriate. 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010. Back to the phones we go. Let's go to I-80 and hear what Dave has to say tonight here on the Rod Arquette Show. Dave, how are you? Welcome. I'm good, Ron. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Dave. Can you hear Good, good. I've got a comment, basically, uh, on the people that are making these rulings on the council in Kaysville. Why can't they just let people have their concert, have their freedom, and if the COVID starts pushing back a little bit, uh, deal with it then. Why why get in front of people that want to be free and, and, you know, smash them like bugs, if you will? Well, that's that's the very same question I have, Dave. Let people do what they want to do. We have had a boot on our necks for how long, Dave? 
eight to ten weeks now, right, and I right, think it's time the right. people well, have a right to stand that, up. Old buddy. Right, longer yeah, than that, old buddy. Sure. I just think these these council people in Kaysville really are making a giant mistake because they're scared. So I I hope that makes sense. I hope some people listen, and, and these people in Kaysville need to plumb themselves up a little bit and let people have their freedom. You're right. All right, Dave, thank you. Let's go to uh, Tooele, hear what Craig has to say on this tonight. Craig, how are you? Welcome to the show. Yes, Rod, thanks for having me. I You're am welcome. a landlord, and if I had a tenant who was three months behind on rent and trashing the place, and because I pay the sewer and the water, I turned the water off on them, I would be open for lawsuits and fines. You would be, wouldn't you, wouldn't you Craig? I would, I would. Just food for thought there. Thank you. All right, Craig, thank you. Let's go to Lehigh, hear what Virgil has to say on this tonight. Virgil, welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. Hey, Rod. Hey, really quick. Um, if you recall the original models from the World Health Organization and the CDC, I mean, they were horrible. They were projecting a, mil- a possible a million deaths in the United States, right? So that was mm-hmm. why they justified this huge lockdown, because we didn't want to overwhelm our hospitals. Well, We Mm -hmm. never overwhelmed any hospital in any city. Like, look what happened in New York. That, you know, Cuomo, he wanted, or de Blasio, he wanted all these hospitals. We put them in, like, that that mercy ship. Like, there was nobody in there. So what I'm saying is, I'm trying to illustrate, is that this extreme lockdown is completely unjustified. Our health care system was never overwhelmed, not even to 30% capacity. And what this is is a breach of our constitutional rights. And my suggestion to the great people in Kaysville is vote councilmen that want to protect our Constitution as opposed to abuse it. All right, Virgil, thank you. Appreciate your comment on that. And you're exactly right. You know, I still don't understand. Thank you, Virgil. I still don't understand. And to this day, I I just don't understand why this country panicked the way it did. I, I really, I mean... The numbers are in now, and Virgil is right. I mean, you know, they the president rushed in to turn the big Javits Center there in New York City into a hospital. He brought in the Mercy Ship, and they were rarely, rarely used. And that's happened all around the country. Same thing in Seattle. They turned to the uh, football stadium where the uh, Seahawks play into a into a hospital. Nobody showed up. They didn't need it. And I understand we've got to, you know, we've got to make sure the hospital situations. Our, uh, our, our, the medical needs will be addressed. Well, they were, yet we're still in this panic mode. 888-570-8010. 888-570-8010 on our cell phone, dial pound, or on your cell phone, not ours. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, more of your calls and money book at 855-355-7233. That's 855-355-7233. A lot of big economic news out there today. Of course, we've got the latest on the uh, jobless claims that were filed. Nearly 40 million Americans are now out of work. Steve Moore will join us, and we'll talk about that coming up at uh, 6.05 here on the Rod Arquette Show. And a little bit later on, we'll talk about 11 cases where guns save lives, but nobody is talking about that. That all comes up in hour number three of the Rod Arquette Show on this Thursday. Right now, we're talking about the 
the move surrounding this uh, concert by Colin Ray, which was scheduled to take place a week from Saturday at Barnes Park in uh, in Cadesville. It was a move endorsed by the mayor. She said, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. City Council got all upset. Uh, they were going to uh, pass a resolution on this thing. Uh, and then this morning, the Utah Business Revival Group said, well, if we aren't wanted there because we understand you're going to turn on the sprinklers and shut off the power, we're going to pack up and go to private property in uh, in Grantsville in Tooele County. And now Tooele County is saying, wait a minute, I've got a permit. Uh, you know, the tactics that Cadesville was going to uh, going to use to stop this is what upsets me. If the council wants to pass a resolution, go ahead and do it. But the tactic that the city was considering, like turning on sprinklers and locking the gates, that's a little juvenile. Let's go to the phones, get more of your reaction to this. Stansbury Park, we're talking with Gary tonight on the Rod Arquette Show. Gary, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Your I'd like to say, this, Gary? Oh. yes, uh, I'm a senior, and I keep hearing the things, well, they're over 60 or 70 and that. Well, I don't think that's true. But I look at it, and I, I didn't know what to think when they first came up with this shutdown thing, too. But I think it's been effective. Uh, we've had so many people that say about, well, we didn't overload the hospitals and that. But what if we had and uh, and such? And I think we need to get people back to work, but I don't see what this is going to accomplish. We have granddaughter that had uh, a high school graduation that didn't get to get together on it and so on. And I think they're just jeopardizing things by jumping into it way too fast and too heavy. The difference of going from 50 people to 5,000 or 10,000, as they say, they could probably attract to that thing. I think we're opening ourselves up to a mess. Yeah. Do you feel, though, uh, Gary, do you feel that the actions that have been taken, not only here in the state but around the country, have saved lives? And if you feel that way, how do you know that for sure? Well, I don't know that you can say we know that for sure. But you do have to look at past history of what happened, and when you figured worldwide in 1918 with the flu uh they didn't know what about that any more about that than what we know about the covid um, virus and uh and it, it cost the world 50 million people that's a lot of people we've yeah, lost in the united is. states the equivalence of what we lost in the in the vietnam war at this point and, uh, All right, Gary, thank you. Yeah. All right, Gary, thank you. I, I need to get some other calls here, but I appreciate your comment on that. Let's go to Sandy and see what Rob has to say on this tonight. Rob, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Rod. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, Rob. Hey, um, I, I seem to remember months ago um, there was a controversy downtown, I, I, I think, where they turned on the sprinklers on some homeless people that were by the library or by a mm -hmm. church, yeah. and everybody got up in arms about, you can't do that. You can't turn the sprinklers on people like that. Yeah, I remember that. But I, as I recall, I don't know if it was done on purpose or someone just made a mistake, Rob. I can't remember which wh what it all came down to, but you're right. I mean, there were some people who were camped out around the uh, main library in downtown Salt Lake City, just across the street, from the uh, city county building, and uh, the sprinklers go. came on. Yeah, the sprinklers came on, and everybody said, "Oh, you can't do that." 
and no, uh, they claim it wasn't no. done on purpose. And uh, thanks for yeah. reminding me of that. I forgot all about that, Rob. All right. Thanks. All right, Rob. Thank you. Good to yeah. hear from you. Thank you, Rob. All right. I, you know, I think the uh, Utah Business Revival Group now has a challenge on its hands. Uh, to get this concert held into a county, because I'm reading some of the uh, comments being made in the news tonight that Tooele County is saying, well, you know, you need 60 days to get a permit. Uh, that we, you know, we have to make sure there are enough toilets to go around in an event like this. Even though Eric Musos has said this is going to be held on private property, I don't know what the uh, rules are when it comes to something like that. If you're a private property owner, how much can a uh, can a uh, community tell you what you can and cannot do uh, when it comes to your own private property? I've got a, a case here. Someone across the street wants to change the zoning of their property and uh, haven't looked into it as of yet, but I'm going to look. But I, you know, I kind of feel if, a, if an individual owns their land, you know, there are certain restrictions that you have to follow, but... Um, uh, but I don't know what the rules are, so we'll, uh, that story is going to develop and we'll follow that more. But right now, this concert, which I still think is on May 30th, is now headed to Grantsville. There's an amphitheater there, uh, holds maybe as many as 10,000 people. Uh, Colin Ray uh, quoted today, uh, he's not publicly commenting on, We'd like to. I'd like to get him on the show next week, and I've got some ways to do so. We'll try and see if he wants to come on uh, and talk about this. Not so much the controversy, but why he feels it important to do a con- uh, concert like this, and we'll talk about that. All right, coming up next, Steve Morris is going to check in with us. The weekly unemployment claims are out. There's a silver line. Joshua Stern of Keller Williams Realty, 444-9100. Or check out his reviews online at sternsellshomes.com. We're live, we're local, and of course we're everywhere with you on the iHeartRadio app. How are you, everybody? Welcome back. Third hour of the Rod Arquette Show on this Thursday, getting ready to head into the uh, Memorial Day weekend as it kicks off uh, with events. Not too many events this year, unfortunately. Usually they, they have some very nice events at uh, communities around the country, even here in uh, in the uh, police state of Kaysville. Uh, but, uh, not this year. I haven't heard much about them. I understand that the veterans because of their age. Well, many of them, the world war two vets or the Korean vets, uh, maybe even the Vietnam vets anymore, maybe more susceptible to uh, COVID-19. So, uh, they're going to be backing down on a lot of those uh, Memorial day events that they, uh, that they, uh, normally have. All right. Um, worker today, workers around the country, uh, filed 2.4 million unemployment claims this past week pushing the total number here in the U.S. to uh, close to 40 million people uh, across America now working to uh, get unemployment benefits, including self-employed, receiving coronavirus-related benefits. They aren't counted in this wave of filing, so the number could even be bigger than that. Well, let's get a look at it, break it all down for you. Joining us on our Newsmaker Line right now is Steve Moore, Chief Economist with the Heritage Foundation. Always great to have Steve on the show. Steve, thanks for joining us tonight. Steve, there is a good sign here in the state of Utah. We spoke earlier with a uh, leading economist here in the state. And yes, our number of people who filed for unemployment, those numbers are down. And people getting off unemployment, going back to work, 
is a good number this week as well. So there is a good sign out there, at least a little bit of a good sign, Steve, that the numbers are starting to change. Yeah, you know, we have uh, 30-some million people on unemployment, yet, you know, you are very good at finding the silver lining. (laughs) (laughs) But it, 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 it actually is a silver lining because we're really seeing the economy open up. And that's happening in Utah, it's happening in Idaho, it's happening in Nebraska and Iowa and Georgia and Florida. And the real important news story this week is that these states that are opening up are not seeing increases in their death rates. Uh, In fact, they're seeing declines. What are you seeing in Utah? Yeah, we're seeing basically the same thing as we open up. You know, you may have a day where you have an increase in the number of deaths. Maybe it goes up one or two people. But generally, Steve, it's the common theme, people over 65 with underlying health conditions. And I think that's that's a part of the story that's not being reported enough, Steve. Well, it should have been decided. That should have been reported right at the very beginning. But I will say this, that the... uh, you know, we're seeing that the uh, economy is uh, opening up in most states uh, from coast to coast, but there are still uh, states like California and New York and uh, Connecticut and New Jersey and New York that are closed, but there's more and more pressure every day for those blue states to open. There was a uh, uh, um, uh, uh, lead headline story in the New York Post today, and it said... Uh, open up the economy and that, you know, that because New York city is still shut down. And so it's just a little indication that people want the American economy functioning again. They want things up and running again. And so that's very good news. Yeah, that was written by David Marcus. I noticed that as well. And we've had David on the show before and he really went on a rant saying, come on, New York city, open up. What did you make of Ron DeSantis? I don't know if you've seen his comment from yes, yesterday. I saying, absolutely hey, have. <laughs> Look what's going on in Florida. No one's paying attention to it. It's amazing. It's a great story. It's getting a lot of national publicity. If people have not seen his uh, video on uh, YouTube when he takes on the press and says, wait a minute, the media is going after us for opening up our beaches here in Florida. We've done so safely. Meanwhile, uh, Governor Cuomo in New York, uh, who you all love in the media, opened up the nursing homes and put sick people who are infected in the nursing homes. And that was the responsible for thousands of deaths. And, and, and he said, you know, it's amazing. This is a great story, folks. New York and Florida are about the same size in population. Florida is a little bit larger because a lot of people are moving from Florida to New York to Florida, but they're about the same size. And yet um, uh, New York has about five times as many deaths as Florida does, even though Florida has an over, older population. And, and uh, what DeSantis says, is, why are you pointing your finger at us here in Florida? We're doing it right. Florida you know, New York, meanwhile, has uh, all these deaths and infection rates, and they've done a terrible job, and they've got people dying in the nursing homes. So I think the story here from the economic perspective is I feel a lot better about things today than I did two or three weeks ago. I think we've turned a corner. I think we're starting to see things open up. I think people feel like it's safe to go out. Uh, not, you know, not completely. And there are still millions of Americans who are not going to leave their home because they're afraid. And that's their God-given right not to leave if they don't, their home if they don't want to. But I do think I see this here in my uh, suburban Virginia where you just see uh, in the parks. I live by a national park. There are thousands of people out this past weekend. And I thought there will be even more this Memorial Day weekend. So I think people have put fear behind them. They want to get back to work. They want to be productive. They want to go to restaurants. They want to, you know, have some uh, sense of normalcy. Now, people are going to take extra measures. You're going to have social distancing. People will still be wearing masks, obviously. But you can do that in a safe way. 
and get people out. And by the way, being in the outdoors, every study shows being outside is the best thing you can do for your health. And very, very, very a tiny fraction of people who've been uh, you know, infected by coronavirus have gotten it from being outside. It's almost always from being locked inside. Yeah, that's true, Steve. Well, being outside, Steve, is that why we're starting to see the uh, oil industry come back a little bit? What are you hearing about the yeah. oil industry right now, Steve? Yeah, it's, it's you know, amazing. The rec- you know, it's still low. I mean, the price is still low because people are not traveling nearly as much. But I noticed the other day, uh, yesterday, I was on the road and, and there were all these cars in front of me. I'm like, what is this? I'm riding on you know, going nobody on the road, so you just see it. And that means they're using more gasoline and that's brought the price up. I think it's about twenty six dollars a barrel now. It was down to like remember five dollars a barrel. Oh yeah. So yeah. That, these are these are good signs. Yeah, look, I, we all want low price gasoline, but you know, the the oil and gas industry is getting destroyed and that's a sign of uh that may, many of these drillers may not go bankrupt and that's that's a positive thing. So uh the one thing that has to happen though is Trump cannot agree to this Pelosi $3 trillion spending yeah, bill yeah, yeah. that passed the House, and we need to do the uh, talk to the folks at the White House today, really pushing this idea of the payroll tax uh, suspension for the rest of the year. So every single worker in America gets a 7.5% pay raise, and every employer gets a 7.5% reduction in their payroll costs. That will encourage people to get back on the job. It will encourage small businesses to get back hiring. That's what we need to do so that by the end of the summer, we can start to see a light at the end of this tunnel. Are they afraid, though, Steve, that if you take that payroll tax cut, if you take it away, that it may never come back? Does that scare the daylights <laughs> out of those in Washington, Steve? <laughs> don't don't give up my secret. You know, keep that quiet. Oh, Bob. there we go. <laughs> uh, you know, but it will be interesting because if we did that, you know, and people saw, you know, all, instantaneously, you and me and everybody listening to the show would be a, see a 7.5% increase in their paycheck. And then what would happen is, in this, uh, on uh, January 1st, all of a sudden people will look at their paycheck and say, hey, wait a minute, who's this FICA that's taking 7.5% out of my you know, paycheck? So that, that, that would be a good thing because a lot of people don't realize how much payroll tax they pay because it's withheld from your paycheck before you even see the money. On our Newsmaker line, Steve Moore, Chief Economist at the Heritage Foundation. Joining us, he does every week, kind of assessing what's going on with the economy. More coming up on the Radar Catch Show. But I want to talk to you right now about um, what you do when you're feeling under the weather. If you're feeling like that right now because of what we've been going through, why not give your immune system a boost with IV drip therapy at Restore Hyper Wellness? Start feeling better so you can do so much more. Now, what are the benefits of IV drip therapy? Well, first of all, 100% bioavailable directly into your bloodstream. That's compared to about 15 or 20% of the uh, benefits if you do it through an oral administration, taking a pill or whatever the case, through an IV drip, it goes right into your blood system and works almost immediately. The results are immediate and it's effective hydration and custom cocktails of vitamins and minerals to get that boost that you're looking for. Now, if you want to find out more about Hyper Restore Wellness, let me tell you what, they are just Restore Hyper Wellness. I mean, they're great to work with. Visit them they have they have clinics in Draper and in Sugar House or at their new location in Farmington that's opening up here in just a few weeks. Call them today. I'll give you the number here in a minute and ask about their first time discounts. I've worked with the people at Restore Hyper Wellness and let me tell you what great people, very knowledgeable about what they can do to make you feel better, to overcome the aches and pains, to give you that energy boost that you need. Give them a call today. 
And again, ask about their first-time discounts. 385-255-CRYO. Cryo. That's 385-255-5NJ-DIET. 855-5NJ-DIET or online njdiet.com. They're out our catch show on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back. Uh, story today is that the, uh, and I talked to, I asked Steve about this a little bit. Steve Moore, who we just had on. The uh, oil industry is coming back a little bit. Demand is slowly starting to creep up. And and I think it will continue to do so as long as, uh, as long as we continue uh, to try and get this economic recovery underway, uh, that's all going to happen unless Joe Biden gets elected this year. Uh, pandering to the far left and the uh, climate change crazies in the uh, Democratic Party, Biden is now pledging, he's done this again, to dump the Keystone Pipeline. And an analysis of that, if he is elected, and he does kill it, would kill thousands of jobs. Joining us on our Newsmaker Line to talk more about this from the Free Beacon is Charles Fain Lehman. Charles, how are you? Welcome back to the show. Charles, um, you've taken a look at some of the numbers on this pledge from Biden to kill the uh, Keystone Pipeline. How much of an impact would it have if, in fact, he got his way and shut down the pipeline? Yeah, so... Uh, what we know from the State Department's estimate when the Trump administration reauthorized the Keystone Pipeline is that uh, at the time in 2019, before they really started any construction, uh, it was expected to generate something like 40,000 jobs. Uh, 16,000 of those were temporary construction jobs, and another 26,000 that were uh, an extension of that from the contractors asking other people or hiring other people to do stuff. Um and that has a lot of indirect effects as well on the economy. So, for example, state estimated that there would be something like $2 billion in added wages spread across a number of different states. Uh, so, you know, the, the indirect economic effects of a construction project building a pipeline from Alberta, Canada to Kansas are pretty substantial. Um, obviously, some of the pipeline has already been constructed, so those are sort of maximums of the past and future uh, jobs and wages that would be produced by this project, but it's certainly a substantial fraction of those still to be allocated. Charles, what if, for people who don't know how massive of a project this is, how big is this project, and why is it so important to the oil industry? Uh, so, just for a little background, um, the Keystone Pipeline, the Keystone XL Pipeline, is supposed to flow from the Alberta tar sands. Uh, I think it's down to Kansas, although I'd have to. I don't have the precise information in front of me, um, but it's supposed to connect U.S. oil up to a uh, rich source uh, located in Canada. Um, it's an expansion of a... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Molar pipeline system. Um, and I think, you know, uh, there's there's some question about whether how, how much it would be used right at this moment because of the cratering price of oil and the cost of extraction from the tar sands. But long run, one of the points that the State Department made uh, in the Trump administration report is that uh, domestic oil producers, if they don't rely on Canada, which is in general considered a close ally and friend of the United States, they will rely on other foreign sources for oil who are less likely uh, to be close friends and allies in the United States. Knowing the current situation because of COVID and the impact it's had on the energy industry and the price of oil all around the country, uh, Biden coming out and saying this to me, and I think you have, you quote somebody who really calls this worthless pandering right now. Yeah, um, I talked to uh, Josiah Neely, who's a friend at the uh, at the R Street Institute, who works on energy policy. He's out of Texas, and you know, I I, I think uh, the big thing on everyone's mind right now is jobs, jobs, jobs. There are 20 million people unemployed. The figure might get higher. You ask the chairman of the Fed, he says we could hit one in four working people out of a job, uh, and so necessarily, if you shut down big projects like this, you'll be trading uh, the sort of signaling that Biden wants to do, the kind of green signaling for actual uh, day-to-day employment. Um, As uh, Josiah argued, I I know in the piece, uh, partially because of the declining price of oil, it's not obvious how much of an impact shutting down Keystone XL would have on oil fossil fuel extraction, but would have a substantial impact on uh, actual employment in the surrounding states. You may have touched on this earlier, but could you, could you, I mean, the loss of jobs obviously is going to have an impact on tax revenue implications for states where this thing is built. I mean, what are some of those tax implications? Yeah, so the State Department estimated that uh, 20, 27 counties in three states would benefit in terms of property taxes that uh, uh, TC Energy would have to pay for passing the pipe for constructing and passing the pipeline through those areas. Um, they're estimated that in 17 of those 27 counties, property tax revenues would go up by more than 10 percent. So you know, a big infrastructure private infrastructure project is almost necessarily a big whale for local and state property tax revenues, and that's a big deal. Again, especially right now when state and local government revenue sources are getting absolutely hammered by the economic shutdown and the effects of COVID um, at a time when they could really use those revenues. In other words, they would be denied them. What about Joe Biden? And has he has he always been so so much opposed to fossil fuels? Charles, do you know? Because, boy, he's come out really strong lately against him. I mean, I can't speak to his legislative record. It's yeah, certainly the case yeah. that, you know, his his uh, his campaign notes that he was opposed to Keystone XL when he was in the White House. Um, but I think that, you know, it's it, there was the, the gaffe in, I think, the most recent, the last Democratic primary debate where he said, we're just going to ban fracking, and his campaign walked it back. Um, but I think he very clearly thinks that in order to consolidate a certain vote in the Democratic base and in order to make uh, certain key members of his party happy, he needs to be uh, have a very strong anti-fossil fuel uh, pro 
green greening of the economy stance. Um, he thinks that's he thinks that's very important. I'm not sure that aligns with his general election priorities. I think it's a big hit to him in states like Pennsylvania. Um, but it's certainly, I think, where he thinks he needs to be right now in order to consolidate the party. And he is bringing this up where I think you indicated a moment ago that, Charles, that some of the pipeline has already been built. Is that correct? Yes, that's that, that's my understanding of the situation. Line, Charles Fain Lehman. Uh, Charles, of course, with Free Beacon talking about uh, oil and speaking about that and uh, Biden's pledge to shut down key pipeline, uh, Keystone, the pipeline, as soon as he becomes uh, president of the United States, if elected there in November. Uh, and by the way, oil prices are surging on firmer demand, as I mentioned, uh, following that shock that hit the oil industry last month that saw prices dive into negative territory. Oil prices have climbed up more than 4% on signs of improving demand and a uh, drawdown of U.S. crude inventories. Uh, One official is quoted as saying, the rise has been driven by both increased demand and cuts in supply. Uh, He was quoted as saying, the Chinese demand for oil has largely recovered following a 20% pullback, and U.S. consumption also is starting to see a rebound. The easing of lockdown restrictions worldwide is boosting demand for fuels, while initial shipping data shows the compliance with oil production cuts from OPEC and its allies has been strong so far. So far, he went on to say the supply has also improved with OPEC agreeing to cut supply by 9.7 million barrels, with Saudi Arabia's cutting a further 1 million barrels as well. So oil is starting to come back. And I just saw this note coming across, a tweet from our news partner at KUTV, indicating today that both Summit and Wasatch counties have now moved from orange to yellow. So we have one county left, uh, Grand County, which stays on orange, and probably they will do so until a week from tomorrow and after the Memorial Day. Stronger. And many, many more. Commencement, the podcast, ready for you now on the free iHeartRadio app. Put me on a highway, the interstate, a dirt road to any place, long as I'm Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. That was a uh, song that E-Ray found several weeks ago now. I love that song, Freedom Song. I absolutely do. And hopefully Colin Ray will be able to sing his Freedom Song a week from uh, Saturday out there in uh, Tooele County. Utah Business Alliance has a challenge on its hands, but I think they're up to it. And uh, they'll be able to get something done out there as we try and uh, celebrate freedom in America, which in many cases has been taken away from us over the past uh, several weeks because of COVID-19. Apparently, uh, health officials and uh, some politicians in this state and around the country don't think much about the Constitution, so they're going to step all over. It doesn't matter what they're doing, and I think that's got to stop, and the American people need to say enough is enough here. All right, uh, I'm going to break away from uh, our COVID coverage here for a minute. And uh, talk about something else. You know, there was a story the other day about uh, several instances involving the reckless use of firearms. Of course, the news media loves to get all over stories like this. Uh, In one case, a Georgia man tragically lost his life 
when armed civilians cross the line between defense uh, necessity and vigilantism, right? But um, every month, the folks at the uh, Daily Signal have been tracking the number of cases in which responsible gun owners were able to save lives. And that's what I wanted to focus on right now. Joining us on our newsmaker line is Amy Swearer. She is a senior legal policy analyst at the Heritage Foundation. Amy, thanks for joining us tonight. Why, I, As I mentioned, uh, at the Heritage Foundation, you've been tracking and keeping a monthly list in which responsible gun owners have, in fact, saved lives, Amy. Why do you think it is so important that you continue to compile a list like this? Well, this is important because it's an important and often overlooked part of the broader national conversation about the Second Amendment, about guns and gun ownership, gun policy. Uh, And unfortunately, because so many of these stories are are relatively non-events, they're more about what didn't happen, the tragedies that were prevented, you know, they, they don't garner oftentimes the, the national news coverage, the widespread news coverage that you see with the tragedies that do occur. And so a lot of times people are missing these stories. If they didn't catch, you know, the 100 word highlight uh, on their online newspaper, they didn't catch the 30 second snippet on their local news, they miss these stories. And so it's important to highlight them so that people know that they are out there. You know, I was blown away in reading this study today, Amy, that you released that the uh, CDC concluded back in 2013, almost uh, every major study on the issue has found that Americans use their firearms in lawful self-defense between 500,000 and 3 million times a year. That is a staggering figure, Amy. That is. It it absolutely is a staggering figure. And, And it's a figure that, again, uh, is based on numerous studies that have looked at this, uh, where, you know, that the CDC didn't do their own study. They have compiled their own data. And, and when you do the, the math on that internal data, it comes out to it, roughly about a million times a year. So even the CDC's data falls within that range. Um, but this is numerous studies. And then even when you look at some of the outliers, uh, you know, the studies that haven't found between that number, these small outliers are still finding roughly about 100,000 times a year. So everyone seems to agree that this is a staggering number, no matter how many times you look at it. You mentioned the media and coverage of this. Uh, nationally, I would imagine these stories don't get a lot of coverage, but any ideas to how local medias and the media in these various towns cover these stories, or do they give it any coverage at all? Well, so that that's what we are finding is that, you know, some of these stories are out there in uh, local media settings, but you start running into problems with, you know, a lack of follow-up, a lack of information. Uh, the, the coverage isn't oftentimes widespread outside of a local news story. And again, even people who live in that community, if they missed that 30-second news snippet, you know, or, or didn't read their, their online newspaper that day, they may have missed it. Uh, and so it's important to compile them, you know, put them in a readily accessible format for people. Yeah, because, again, so it's important to keep in mind a lot of these defensive gun uses aren't even necessarily being reported to police, much less making it into local or national news. And so it's important to even when we find these stories, these publicly accessible, verified stories, you know, to make sure that that we're saving the links, that we're putting them and archiving them so that we're not losing these stories, but that they remain part of this broader conversation and that they're not being lost. You list 11 cases uh, in which responsible gun owners save lives, even uh, just in the month of April, which is pretty amazing, Amy. Um, it, it, 
Find a common theme as to what is happening here. Is it people protecting their property, protecting their family? Is there a common theme in any of these? So I do want to point out, so these are 11 stories uh, that are just a snippet of what we've found. So you can actually find many, many more from the month of April and from the past year at our defensive gun use database. And there's a link to that in the story. So we've just picked out a fraction of the ones that we've found. Um, But I I think, you know, you're right in the sense of there's not actually a theme because what you see is just how widespread these defensive gun uses are in terms of um, the context in which they're happening. Um, but, but what you do see are a lot of you know, people you wouldn't expect to fit the caricature of gun owners, you know, people who are you know, elderly couples, um, you know, single moms who are protecting their kids from, from home invaders. Uh, you, you see quite a number of, um, uh, of women who are defending themselves in domestic violence. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details situations or who are being defended by others in those situations. I mean, in, in this set of stories, we have hemp farmers in Colorado who were mistaken for, for marijuana farmers and, and literally get into a shootout with armed attackers uh, during the middle of the night. I mean, just wow. some incredible stories um, from just normal everyday Americans. Amy, of course, we always hear about the uh, those the the anti-gun crowd out there saying that uh, you know you have an incident or a major incident where you have several people killed. It's time for gun control. But I think this article points out that there are a lot of very responsible gun owners out there and very responsible when it comes to protecting themselves, their families, or their property. And I think that's what you're trying to tell the rest of America. It's too bad this story isn't being reported often enough. Yeah, and, and not only are you, are you seeing sort of the the role that lawful, responsible gun ownership plays in protecting public safety. But some of these stories, you actually see how some of these these commonly uh, desired gun control policies undermine people's ability to defend themselves. So you talk about things like, you know, banning uh, magazines with a capacity of over 10 rounds. And from April 22nd in Las Vegas, we have a story of a, of a concealed carry permit holder who fired at least 11 rounds in self-defense um, from a, a guy who was just randomly angry and chose to vent his frustrations on on just random people that he found. Um, you know, I, I brought up the hemp farmers. These, these are people who they think hundreds of rounds might have been fired. And this farmer emptied his magazine at least once, possibly several times. You know, so you start reading these stories and you see how gun control can undermine a lot of these uh, law-abiding citizens' ability to defend themselves in situations that unfortunately do happen. On our Newsmaker line, Amy Swearer. She is a senior legal policy analyst at the Heritage Foundation talking about 11 cases where guns save lives all around the in just the month of April alone. Pretty amazing statistics. The Rod Arcacio continues right here on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. A word now from the Utah COVID-19 Community Task Force. You know, it's working, folks. 
You're doing a very, very good job out there. Data is showing now that Utah can continue to relax restrictions in most areas of the state. Now, most of the state has moved to the yellow health phase, with the exception of one county, that is now Grand County, and Salt Lake City and West Valley City. They are going to stay in the orange phase. Now, continue to continue this positive trend. Everyone must take personal responsibility to follow the health guidelines in their area. You know, wear a mask, stay six feet apart, and wash your hands often. Support open businesses as well who are adjusting to keep you safe, but to allow yourself to be entertained as well. Stay close to home if you're at a higher risk of severe illness. Stay strong, Utah, because we are making progress. And if you want to learn more, more about the guidelines now, just follow Corona. one That's 801-263-7777. Final segment of the Rod Arkentra with you on this uh, Thursday. By the way, we'll be uh, taking a four-day break to enjoy the uh, Memorial Day weekend holiday. <laughs> Don't know what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. Uh, just relax, recharge the batteries a little bit. So we put together a great lineup tomorrow of some of the recent uh, interviews we've done concerning the COVID-19 pandemic. So a best of the Rod Arkecho coming your way tomorrow. And then on Monday... With our partners at Fox News, we've got three great one-hour specials that will air Monday afternoon between 4 and 7 p.m. Of course, we'll have best-of shows with Glenn, who's on a break. He'll be on a break, as a matter of fact, all next week, and we'll be back on Monday, June 1st. Uh, Rush is taking a break this weekend as well, and Sean is, but uh, Rush and Sean will be back on Tuesday, and we will as well, but we're going to enjoy uh, a four-day break and kind of catch up on things, maybe try and get outside and enjoy some of the great weather that is uh, headed our way. Um, um, share with you, I should say, a couple of things that we didn't get to today. Uh, David Marcus. Uh, David is kind of like the New York City correspondent for The Federalist, and um, we have, we've had David on the show quite often. He's a, he's a New Yorker. And he's not afraid to shoot straight. And that's what he did today uh, in this uh, editorial that the New York Post picked up. And it was very strong. I mean, he went on a rant. And he even admitted it. He said, sometimes a good rant is all a writer can offer. And he said, bear with me. Very similar to the rant I went on today about what's going on in the city of Kaysville and their efforts to stop this concert, which they would succeeded in doing. But uh, David went on a rant that was posted in the New York Post today, and it, I, I want to share with you some of the um, some of what he wrote because I think he is angry, and I think I, I'm surprised. I, you know, I don't, I don't New Yorkers. If if you ever been around him, I have spent a lot of time around him. Abby certainly has because she worked there for years. They're a tough lot. I mean, following nine eleven and the tragedy that took place in that city. Uh, back on 9-11, you know, New Yorkers are tough, and they're going to pull through this. And I think that's what that's what's got David upset right now. Uh, and let me share, I'll, I'll just read a little bit of this, because I want to give you kind of a flavor of what David is saying and the frustration that he's feeling. Here's what he wrote today. He said, last Friday, uh, some 3,500 New Yorkers lined up at a Catholic church in Queens to receive free food hours before it even opened. 
That's according to the New York Police Department. Catholic Charities has reported a 200% increase in demand in just the past month and a half. He went on to say, and write, by prolonging the coronavirus shutdown long after its core mission was accomplished, Governor Andrew Cuomo and Mayor Bill de Blasio have plunged tens of thousands of New Yorkers into poverty, and he said it needs to end now. In mid-March, he writes, we were told we have to endure a lockdown to ensure that hospitals don't get overrun. We did. The hospitals were not overwhelmed. We turned the Javits Center into a hospital. We didn't need it. We brought in a giant Navy ship to treat New Yorkers. We didn't need it. We were told we were moments away from running out of ventilators. We weren't. And now the United States has built so many, we are giving them away to other countries. He says, meanwhile, while all this is going on, the Big Apple, he says, is dying. The bars, the clubs, the restaurants, the coffee houses sit barren. The streets are empty. Beloved haunts, storied rooms, perfect sliced uh, pizza sliced joints are shuttered, many for good. The sweat equity of countless of small business owners evaporating. Instead of getting back to work providing for their families, Our mayor talks about a fantasy land, New Deal, for the post-coronavirus era. He goes on to say, and this this is a powerful rant that David went on today. He said, open the city, all of it, right now. Broadway shows, beaches, Yankee games, good for them. The schools, the top of the, as he called it, the freaking Empire State Building. Everything. New Yorkers have already learned to socially distance. Businesses can adjust. The elderly and infirm can continue to be isolated. He said, for two months, we have waited for Cuomo and de Blasio to tell us how this all ends. Where is ex-mayor Michael Bloomberg with his alleged army of tracers that the governor told us is the key to reopening? And why did he hand that responsibility over to Bloomberg, who nobody elected anybody and a lot of New Yorkers don't like? He says, what the hell is going on? Is anybody in charge of this situation? Or are we just left with the governor and his talking head brother arguing on CNN about uh, uh, which of the two mom loves best? He said, who cares? He's right on that. And in ending this, David writes, it has been a long time, a long time since this country, let alone this city, talking about New York, really had to deal with the prospect of mass starvation. This isn't about the stock market. It's about parents putting their kids to bed hungry and hoping tomorrow there will be something for them to eat if they get up at 4 a.m. and get in line at a food bank. Sad commentary, isn't it? He went on and he concluded, We did what we were asked to do. I think we've done that here in the state of Utah as well. We flattened the freaking curve. And we've done that in Utah. There is no longer any reasonable justification for the government to deprive us of our livelihoods and our rights aren't the governments to grant or take away. They belong to us, the free grant of nature and of God's nature. We're Americans. More than that, he says, we're New Yorkers. And he said, damn it, reopen. So I think as Scott Rasmussen was sharing with us earlier, A lot of Americans are now looking at these stay-at-home orders, these lockdowns, and really saying enough is enough. 
We've done what you've asked. We're ready. If there is a spike in coronavirus outbreaks, we'll deal with it. We won't run and hide. And that's what the American people, and I think people here in Utah, have done. You know, and I mentioned this earlier. Um, This great state of ours was in many ways settled by pioneers, people who came here primarily for religious freedom. They didn't want to deal with what they dealt with in Ohio and in Missouri and in Illinois. And they helped settle this land, and others came. And I've been reading about many of the stories of light, about the people who settled this great state of ours, people who trekked, uh, what, more than a 1,000 miles, some by handcart, other in wagons, many of them walking, just because they had this desire. They had faith that, in fact, they would, they would, they would be okay. And many of them weren't. A, we'll visit her grave this weekend. My wife's great-great-grandmother was part of the Willie Martin Hand Company and came here uh, and walked, left her family in the U.K., That pioneer spirit, I think, among a lot of us is still alive today. And I think it is starting to emerge again as we see more and more people telling us what we can and cannot do. And if we do it, they're going to turn on the sprinklers and cut off the power. Enough is enough and the American people. So this holiday weekend, like I said, we're off tomorrow and Monday. Be safe. Follow the guidelines that have been recommended to us in dealing with COVID-19. But go enjoy yourself. I think we all deserve it, don't you? All right, that does it for us tonight. As we say each and every night, head up, shoulders back. May God bless you and your family. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.